you've been looking for a podcast to help you transform your physical and mental one that'll shoot you straight between the eyes with truth and no bs helping you have the right mindset to accomplish things the iron will and fortitude to follow through with what you say you're going to do no excuses Mark owns martial arts schools, and after 30 years, he has some real insight for real talk, real life, real conversations, motivational, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, live from the Great 1-8. This is Real Talk with Mark Cox. Now, now we're live. Hey, good morning, Mike. How are you this morning? Good morning. Good morning. Good. How are you? Good. 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 Looking forward to this. I mean, we've been friends yeah. for a while. We go to church. Same thing. We've got been single dads. We've had some uh, tough conversations late at night sometimes yeah, yeah. Uh, about that stuff. So, looking forward to having uh, a little bit of time with you on the show today. If you guys haven't, if you guys know Mike, you know they had a CrossFit gym for a long time. He's got you know uh, experience in the martial arts. We'll talk about his his MMA times and, uh, and his, uh, having a gym, having a CrossFit gym, what that looked like and, uh, the, the ups and downs of owning a gym and what that looks like. So with no further ado, Mike, I'm going to get, hand it over to you just to introduce yourself uh, a little bit and tell everybody what you, your name and about your yeah. family and go from there. Hey, what's up everybody? So my name is Mike Bernard. I've been, uh, born and raised here in the Valley. I owned MVX athletics for about nine years. Um, and changed thousands of lives on a, on a global scale, which I'm very blessed to, to be able to do so. And one thing was when I, when I was in the gym scene, um, throughout life, you always want to try to find your purpose. And although I helped so many people, you know, from a health standpoint, it just was not my calling still. And when I, when I started my new business, Unbreakable Academy, it was to find my true purpose to actually help people on a much larger scale. And... I have, I have a son who's seven, whose name is Nico, and he's pretty much everything to me. So he, he's my, yeah. he's my, my life. Um, yeah. And uh, his story is quite interesting. He, his, his story is uh, a major reason why I started the Academy. And um, just very blessed to be where I'm at now because I was taking some wrong paths in life. Um, and I was raised by great parents, both of them in law enforcement. So... I grew up around law enforcement and military and got into martial arts when I was eight. So, um, you know, I fought that MMA for a few years and done six different styles of martial arts. I just, I love the discipline behind it. Um, I like the, the one-on-one -on -one behind it. Um, I've just never been a team sport guy. So when I got yeah. into the martial arts, <laughs> it was, uh, it was cool. It was just me against that other person. And, um, you know, it's, it's just a battle. So, so well, let's talk, let's, let's talk about that when you were young. So where did your parents get you started in martial arts? Or is it something you wanted to do or something parents uh, led you to kind of go do and where'd you start that at? Yeah. So, I mean, probably like most young kids, we, we grew up on Bruce Lee. So, mm -hmm. um, big fan of him and just wanted to always try martial arts, but I was an extremely shy kid. Like I was, um, you know, when I was a young kid, I was that kid that got picked on all the time because I just, uh, um, was extremely, extremely shy. And so I wanted to try martial arts and I got into, um, it was kind of like a Krav Maga style. It was called ninjutsu. Um, 
we started with that and then did a little bit of taekwondo i just i, I personally was not a fan of taekwondo um I liked the more hardcore martial arts and then started that when I was, uh, when I was eight, did some tournaments, a little bit of comp competing, nothing crazy. And then just, took it just, just ran off with it and just loved it. Yeah, that's good. So when did, did you, let's talk about your, so as you were a teenager, were you uh, still involved or was it more when you came, became adult that you looked at the, at the MMA portion of it? When did you get into the fighting portion of it? Oh, yeah. So, so uh, yeah, when I was a teen, I was actually more involved in it than ever because um, obviously I was more mature. And at that stage in my life, there's just a lot of bullying at school. And it was like the only way for me to kind of protect myself. And I didn't really have a dad, you know, most of my life because he, he worked graveyard shifts. So it's kind of like by the time he was coming home from work, I was waking up and going to school and then vice versa. So it was really hard for me growing up as a kid and trying to, trying to find my own place. But um, yeah, and then and then as I got older, you know, I, I watched the UFC one. And <laughs> I, remember. Believe, <laughs> I remember I that I not believe this was on TV and, and <laughs> that it was a sport. And, um, you know, because there's so many different traditions of martial arts, and most of it's with pads on or whatever it is, it's very just kind of um, punches and kicks, uh, unless you're doing the Muay Thai stuff. But uh, and was super stoked. And I was like, this is amazing. Where do I find an MMA gym? Um, and then I started going to MK combat on Fallbrook and Roscoe and things just kind of took off from there. So that's where, that's where you started. I, you know, I, we never talked about that. You and I on, on where you're, we just kind of knew that that's, that's kind of what you did. And, yeah. and, uh, you know, it's, I hear it every time I, I do one of these, anybody that's involved in uh, martial arts or something to that effect or the gym or something like that, it has to do with bullying. I can't, the, you, you know, believe it or not, it it's, that was the same for me, even in school, but you know, the, uh, you know, you talked about kind of being real shy, right? There's two types of, of responses to bullying, right? You know, you kind of, kind of cower down and, and try and find a niche that, that helps you have some self-esteem or you end up cold cocking somebody and, uh, and then you figure out that you're almost a bully yourself, right? You know, uh, you know what I'm saying? And uh, that's, uh. that's kind of that path that I took. I remember being in, in ninth grade or, you know, I was always kind of, uh, I was lifting weights when I was 12 or 13. And I, so even when you're not really fat, fat, you're always called fat. Cause you, you know, you're, you know, whatever it was or bowling ball, I just remember being on the court one time. I'm just so fed up with it, man. I just cold cocked this, the yeah. kid and wow. did everything start to shut up at that point? Right. And I was like, wow, this is pretty awesome. This is, uh, this is how, this is how I don't have to listen to it anymore. Right. And then, you know, I, as I grew up in life, I ended up just, you know, hating those that did that kind of stuff, you know, and this, and of course, this is how I got into, what I do today, you know what I mean? So, but you're pretty, I mean, it, when, when people see you, you know, you're pretty, uh, you know, your physique is pretty phenomenal as it is, but so let's talk about the weightlifting. How, how, when did that become part of your life? The lifting? Oh man. Yeah. So my uncles and my, my, uh, my uncles, my cousin and my grandfather were all bodybuilders. Um, my, uh, my cousin was in muscle and, uh, what's it called? Muscle and fitness. He was in right. muscle and mm -hmm. fitness. He competed at, in the heavyweights. Um, 
but yeah, they, I grew up around bodybuilders, like pro bodybuilders my whole life. So we used to start, um, pretty much my idea of getting babysat was my mom would drop me off at my uncle's house and we would go to the gym. So, <laughs> I mean, as a young kid, I was, I was just around weights. That's all we, we did when I was a young kid. And, um, you know, around, around steroids and all that fun stuff. Cause back then there wasn't like a ton of supplements. It was, it was just steroids. So, um, just grew up around a lot of meatheads and then got into it and loved it. And like I said earlier, it was like being a shy kid. I was very small, like extremely small. Um, never really had size on me at any point in time. And it was cool because I would see my uncles progress like in the, the, their forms of their bodies and like how to eat and how much they were eating. And, um, you know, slowly kind of started putting weight on as I got into high school. But uh, yeah, I love it, man. And then I went to... Um, then I started my gym and then got competitive on the CrossFit side of it and um, shifted over to powerlifting for, for a little bit. And uh, it was amazing, man. It's, it's, it was pretty crazy how strong I got for, for such a small guy at the current weight that I was at. So Right. It's like an addiction, right? I, I, I know I, even today, even though I'm 60 years old, I, I'm still addicted to how much can I lift, you know, even though I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be worrying about that stuff, but... Uh, it's just an addiction to uh, to lift heavy things, you know. I went on, a, you know, I went on a different path. I did a lot of powerlifting when I was young, so I didn't have that physique, you know. You know, back then in the days, you know, I, yeah. And you know, you just lift heavy stuff and didn't really care about nutrition or, right. you know. And I wish, I wish now we had something more like CrossFit and that type of a workout. I think is so much more beneficial to to the youth today, especially for martial arts. I mean, being able to do pull-ups and, and pull your body weight or pull yourself up a rope is so much more um, beneficial to you than being able to squat 600 pounds. You know yeah. what I mean? So I wish I, I, I wish we had all that. So if let, let's talk about when you, when you opened up a CrossFit gym and what that looked like, because I believe your, your first, the first CrossFit gym was CrossFit, correct? I mean, it yeah. was part of that, that whole, the whole CrossFit movement. And then you kind of moved away from that and opened up your own, your own facility. Let's, let's talk about how that, how that came about, how you decided to do a CrossFit gym and yeah. um, what that looked like. Yeah. So I was in mortgage and banking for 11 years. I worked at bank of America and um, as a sales executive and covered the West coast. And like I said, was always into fitness and just wanted to break away. I had a chance to kind of get let go from the bank and get a severance package. And I thought at that, time it was like the best the best gig for me to go all in on myself and um yeah so so crossfit back then it was in 2011 2012 so crossfit was kind of slowly becoming mainstream not a lot of people knew about it and um you know got certified and, and jumped onto the kind of the crossfit bandwagon and um you know started the gym and things didn't really work out and a lot of people don't know this story but uh, the, you know things didn't work out a lot uh, at the first gym um, because of, of an investment that was made, uh, by myself and another guy and kind of got screwed out of a lot of money and unfortunately had to close the gym. Now, a lot of people don't know this story because I, I mean, justice says, and a few other people do, but I ended up having to close the gym, right? They kicked us out and, um, didn't tell the members. And I was like, you know, I just don't like this location. I'm looking to get maybe somewhere to Northridge. And I literally ended up taking all of the members running the gym in a park for actually several different parks, because back then you actually needed permits to operate in parks. 
And I remember we would have a few trucks with rowers in the back of the trucks, barbells in the truck, and we would just take a little <laughs> section of the park and just do CrossFit workouts for a little bit. And then, you know, I finally found a building, um, a really, really small building, and um, pretty much went all in again and, and built the business up to a six-figure business and then uh, moved us over to a 4,000-square-foot facility, and we were just killing it. And things were, things were great, man. It was uh, definitely one of those things where I fell on my face twice and just was able to rebuild the business, so... Well, you know, I think, and I think that's the, that's the beauty of the story, letting people know, right. That, um, you know, either when you're getting kicked in the teeth, you're either, you're the adversity that's, that's you either run from it or you, uh, or you grow from it. And it, it, I knew this part of the story with you a little bit, um, before we came in on, on how you've, you know, how you fell down in, in the beginning and then you built it back up right? You just didn't keep yourself down. And I think, I think any of us, any of us that have some kind of a gym facility can, can relate to that. Cause it's not an easy, it's not an easy get. I can tell you no, that. No. And, uh, um, you know, I remember, um, I remember six months into my business, I was going to sink, man. I was like, man, and I needed to find somebody. I needed to find a coach. You know, we have a coach for when we lift or we have a, a dietitian, uh, you know, for, for food and supplements. But, you know, nobody ever taught us to have a financial coach or a business coach. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I knew I said I need I needed to find somebody. And I went looking. And I just have, you know, it's, it's funny is it Black Belt Magazine at the time had the school of the month. And there's this one school of the month and I'm like, wow, this guy just seems like he has it going on. He's in Tennessee. He seems to be a Christian. You know what I mean? I was looking for that. And so I called him and I said, Hey, this is where I'm at. And I'm afraid I'm going to close my doors if I don't get some kind of help on how to run a business. Uh And, uh, and so he told me at that time, he goes, Mark, why don't you come down? You find your way down here and I will host you at my house and I'll feed you and I'll give you a whole week. And then Terry Brumley and I are still friends today. He's the one that turned me around in one week's time, having that coach and and having a mentor that just decided to take me under his wing out of the goodness of his heart. And that's yeah. how I was able to do that. So do you feel like, did you have that yourself too? Did you, what, did you feel like you failed at some point because you just kind of, you jumped into something that you love, but you didn't really know how to run the business or did, was it, did you do it on your own or did you go find somebody that had success and to try and help you build how, how did you go about yours uh, yeah man I, if i could do it all over again um even i mean like i am now with my with the new business the first thing i did was hire a coach but um or multiple mentors but yeah man i you know what back then i was uh i wouldn't really say i, I was i was stupid but i was just arrogant and i just wanted to figure it out like i was like there's nobody that's going to beat me at this game i'm going to be the best i'm going to be the largest gym in la I'm going to have the most clients in LA. Like, no, I was just an arrogant kid. Like I had a lot of money in the bank back then because I was working at the bank of America. So I really didn't have to rent equipment. Um, at the time I, I knew a lot of people. So it was kind of arrogance. And, um, but like you said earlier, it was, it was literally one of those things where it was like every six months to a year, I was like, geez, I don't know how I'm going to pull myself out of this. Cause it was just this constant repeat of gaining people, losing people. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of shit talking that goes on in the fitness community. Um, oh, yes. So, you know, it's, you always want to be able to establish yourself, you know, as soon, like as soon as you possibly can. And so 
but I was big with the community. I, I loved helping people in general. Like it wasn't necessarily just the gym. It was, it was going out and talking to the community and helping the community and giving people food and helping the homeless. And, um, we were big with children as well. I mean, we're, we're donating diapers every, every year to, um, local apartment complex that just did not have money. Um, so we were donating cases of water and diapers and wipes and everything. And I think that like for us, um, for MBX in general, because MBX was never mine, right? Like it's always, it's, it's, it's always the clients. My name's on the business, but at the end of the day, MBX was the communities. And um, that's why I fought. I mean, I, at the end of the day, I didn't really fight for me. I fought because I, I wanted to show everybody that there's a reason why you're given those battles. And God only gives his strongest, his strongest shoulders the hardest battles. Yes, and so I was willing true. to take that up full on, whether it didn't matter how many times I failed. Um, but yeah, man, I, I would say if I could, if I did, if I would suggest anything to anybody that wants to start a business, the first thing you want to do is, is invest money in somebody that's successful. That's already done what you want to do. Because if you go into it yourself or you half-ass it, especially when it comes to entrepreneurs that are, that are high level coaches, it's worth spending ten to twenty thousand to hire a coach, then hit all the roadblocks and go upside down in a year and waste all your money. <laughs> right, I, I think that is a, such a lesson learned on on that. You know, I anybody that I've I've tried to coach a little bit on on how to open up a martial arts school. There's not a mistake I haven't made. There's not a there's not something I have not seen inside of a school, um, whether it's with instructors or students or or whatever I have from every gamut made every mistake there was. It's funny that you talk about arrogance in the beginning is a lot. You know, I think I was a pretty young man too, when I opened up, because I opened up in 1990, this, this school. And like you, I knew a lot of people and a lot of people I was, it was I started as a ministry and then it got too big at Rocky peak. Right. And then, so I decided to come down. So we kept those that couldn't afford it. And then we had a, a bunch that, especially the kids that followed me to ha- to o- try and open up this school. And um, I think I had that same thing back then. I was, uh, I guess arrogance would be a good thing because you just, you just think you can do it all on your own. And I remember mm-hmm. having, I'm sure you've been at nighttime, right? When that's, that's when our brain just still continues going, going, how am I keeping these doors open when the attrition rate is I gain two, lose five, right? Yeah, yeah. You know oh, what I mean? Never, yeah, and, and, never felt. Right. And it's just, and I never realized on what a numbers game a gym or a facility like myself is. It is a numbers, it is a numbers game. And and I don't know, like in your in your industry too, like so in the martial arts industry, we get so vested personally into students. Mm. And then to see them fall off, you know, after you've poured your yourself into them, I'm sure that's another side of your business. That's just like it, it just, you're like, man, I spent all this time with them and then they just, you know, you know, they pop smoke and, and they're gone. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, so, yeah. That's, that's super common. I think in all fitness based industries, even martial <laughs> arts, it's just, it sucks. I mean, I think that's where it's hard to separate your emotions from, from that aspect of the business because you build relationships with these people. You build you know, you, you end up going to their kids' graduations and going actually to these people's homes and barbecuing and hanging out. And then, you know, whatever the reason might be, whether it's just they, they you know, don't like the scenario anymore at the location or want to try something new, whatever it might be, or, or 
somebody said something and, and, and you end up losing <laughs> them. And it's just like, damn, you know, it's, you take it personally. I mean, I took a lot of stuff personally, which I probably shouldn't have, but you kind of do because you, you, you want the best for your business, but you want even, you know, you want the best for them too. So it's hard to, to invest so much of your energy and so much time and emotion to somebody. And they're like, well, I'm going to cancel my membership. I'm going to try some, something else. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's super hard. It's, it's definitely something that, um, that wore on me. It was definitely one of those things from a mental aspect that would put me in, in a mental place that I didn't like being in. Cause I started blaming myself literally for everything. Right. Exactly. You're hundred percent right. I, I, I understand that emotion <clears throat> completely. Well, so Mike, so now that you're kind of a, you're kind of a coach on the other side of it now, right? So yeah. what kind of advice do you give people at this point? If they're, if they're in that fitness type industry, what, from your experiences, what do you, what, what, what are you telling, um, most people now? And, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you my take on it. We'll see if we're, we're on the same, we're on the same take, but yeah. how, how do you, how do you deal with that? Well, you know, the biggest thing I would tell anybody right now, um, is what separates you from everybody else. Uh, there's so much stuff out there right now. Um, uh, but there's something that will separate you from everybody. And that's, that's what we did, you know, at, at MBX was I knew nobody had the classes that we had. I knew nobody had the programming that we had. Um, and that's what separated us because we were all community based. And I think that's the biggest part, right? It's not just a business and make making money. It's about the community and the content you want to share. Like, who are you? And I, and I feel like a lot of the people that, you know, start businesses, they always, they just, they forget their why. Like, why are you doing, why are you genuinely doing this? Because that's where everybody comes to. When they actually find out who you are as the person, that's where all the leadership and everything comes from. But it's, um, yeah, man, I would say the, the main thing is, is what separates you? What legitimately separates you from everybody else that's out there? Yeah, I think that, and you know, I think that's a great question that you pose on people, uh, for sure. You know, that would, and I think uh, even in my own school, community is probably one of the most important things. But, you know, you grow as you're in a community, too. I've been here for 30, 30 plus years now. So it's almost like Mark Cox's studio is part of the it's part of the land at this point, you know, because I've 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 been here for so long. So, you know, most people uh, know of the school you know, or know my name or at my, now my son, whatever. And, uh, you know, people that's been with me for 20 plus years, you know, Nathan Carlin, who teaches at, at uh, Pierce college also. So, you know, we kind of spider out this way. And I think that when we talk about the emotions of having, being so vested in people's life, you know, I took things so personal at, in the beginning, like when people just quit, you know what I mean? I, and I hate to say that I become callous to it, but I, I would not not focus on people that want their goals, but I would focus on those that really want to improve. Right. And then I, I've learned something over the years. And you tell me if you you've had this where I've you know maybe it's even a student that I have thought like how could they just leave like that and and then you see them ten years later or something and they're like it was the best part of my life that time something had come up and you, something that you took so personal had nothing to do with you at all. You know what I mean? And I'm like, wow, I wasted years stressing on that. Uh -huh. And it had nothing to do with what I've done and what we did at the school for them. 
what the school did for them was something that they still take in their life. And then now they're bringing their children to you. You know what I mean? It's a, yeah, yeah. it's that right. It's, it's such a, a turnaround. And I think that's what I tell new school owners all the way. You, you want to be vested and you also want to have a, uh, you'll see that cream rises to the top and you're going to see, you know, kind of who your, your core is going to be, but uh, not taking things so personal, I think is in, when you're in a personal business and try not to take everything so personally, yeah, was something yeah. that I, that was, that has been life changing for me for sure. And it's taken me years. I'm not, this is, this didn't happen overnight. This oh, probably yeah. happened in the last five years. You know, as, as you get to be a little bit older man and stuff like that, and you've been knocked in the teeth from life um, for sure. And I think I think that's probably what helped grow you a little bit, because I know that <clears throat> you and I have had some um, talks about being a single dad and what that looks like. Uh, and how that that portion of of your life kind of helped shape you, uh-huh. you know. Because I, I think for a while, you, you didn't even get to see your son as much uh, for a while. You had to fight to see your son. And uh, what was that battle like as you as you climbed that? Was that is that one of the hardest battles you've had? Uh, and what does it look like on the other side? What, what do we tell men that are, are going through this? Something you and I have gone through. Um, what it's like to fight as a, as a single dad when the yeah, society man, is against you. Yeah, that, that, that one's, that one's hard. I mean, I'm part of multiple men's groups, um, and I've helped a lot of fathers. It's, it's so difficult because, you know, like I always tell, you know, the, the attorneys and the judges, like, I just want to be a dad. Like, I don't understand what's so difficult about that statement of just wanting to be a dad and love, you know, a child that you brought into the world. Um, one thing that I tell them is, is I tell them there's things that you can control and things you can't control. And the problem is like when we get into the realm of things that we can't control, that's when we get ourselves into more trouble. And that's when the emotions kind of go way past than what we can really, we do with them. So although difficult, you know, it's, it's hard, man. I mean, um, because of everything you're going on and especially because you're a single dad and the world seems against you, you almost, you pull back, right? Like mm-hmm. I didn't see my son most of 2019 and, um, for, for multiple reasons. And it was just the fake, the false police reports and everything else against mm-hmm. me. And, and, um, that was probably the lowest, the lowest point in my life. Um, right after, you know, like the, at the time when I found out that he was being abused, um, it, it was, it was, I, I've never had time to heal. And I think that's the hard part is like, as fathers, we're, we're, we're going to work. We're doing all these different things. We're trying to provide for our kids. We're even trying to see our kids, but we don't genuinely ever have time to heal and understand why the process is how it is. Um, and that's what killed me the most, man. I mean, it was just going from, you know, co-parenting with my ex to all of a sudden overnight full-time dad. I have to figure out how to raise a four-year-old that just was abused. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Um, Mm -hmm. and it was crazy because I went through the same thing and it was literally the same thing that happened to Nico was the exact same thing that happened to me. Um, and, but yeah, man, it, it's so hard to give advice to, to dads that are single, that are single dads, because we're just in, we're just in like this bubble 
and it literally feels like you're alone 99% of the time. Like nobody can, nobody listens to you. They don't care about your emotions. It's uh, it's a very hard place to be in, you know, and I always compared it to prison. Um, mm-hmm. cause there was a few times I went to jail and it was just like, God, I, I'm, I just feel alone right now. I can't talk to anybody. Nobody understands me. I screwed up my fault, but that's what it feels like. It, it legitimately feels like prison. I mean, I haven't, I didn't see Nico. I'm going through the same thing again this year or I haven't seen him most this year or excuse me. I'm sorry. A 20, uh, 2021, you know, uh, same thing again. So 2019 repeated itself in 2021 and sh- more fake police reports, more this, more that. And I didn't see my son again for most of 2021. Um, yeah, I think that I think it's a story out there, Mike, that is important because I same thing here. I, you know, I, I've chewed this dirt where, um, you know, you and I have had we've talked about some personal stories that <laughs> excuse me, we don't need to share here, but um what it's like to be a single dad and, and have, uh, most, it's already hard enough to be a dad, right? Yeah. Father's day comes around. Nobody really gives, gives a, you yeah. know, nobody gives a shit what we, you know, how we feel and what we, what we think anyway. Right. Uh, you know, we're kind of on the bottom of the barrel, uh, when it comes to that. And then society kicks you in the teeth anyway, right? Any, any dad on TV or, or anything like that. Um, uh, and uh, this is this is a good this is a good student. This is the one that runs my Simi Valley School. This is Jay. He was a single dad too. He's re- he's in our club. Um, okay. And uh, you know he's not he's never he's never met you, but uh, you know hoping to see you in the future. Yeah. You, you'll like him. He's one of ours. Cool. And so you know I I remember going through this man. I was so angry all the time. I'm, I don't even know how my business survived it. It, it, it has to be my staff. Because I remember in those stages, I was so angry all the time that I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't, you, nobody just, uh, there was nothing men's health wise to thing outside the gym and fighting. I can't, I don't know what else there would have been for me. Yeah. I mean, I was sparring, you know, the, the, I know it's weird, right? People, people, when I tell them about it, I'm like, I don't know what it was. I just enjoyed, I'm, I enjoyed getting hit and I enjoyed hitting. I, yeah. it, it, it just, it took things away. It was, it was a good antidepressant for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so, uh, anger, anxiety, depression, I think we all had that. And then we all masked it. Cause I, it, in your thing, I, I, I saw that, right. We talked about having anxiety and depression, and that's hard, right? Being the alpha male in your business, right? Uh, and you're the one that has to be on top of your game all the time or put on a face that everything's awesome. And really, it's not. You yeah. experience that same thing when you're yeah. when uh, when when you were uh, in your gym. I mean, oh, how yeah, often I mean, were you? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I was in my gym all the time by myself with no one there hitting pads or doing what I was doing or lifting or whatever I, I, I was doing. I mean. Yeah. How did you handle your depression and your and and suppressing anger when you really wanted oh, to lash out? Man. You know, I, that, I I got into drinking, you know, even mm. more than I used to. And you know, as I as I got older, I figured out why I kept getting triggered to go that route. But it was hard, man. I mean, I remember multiple times, like just being at the gym and just crying, like sobbing, because it was just like, 
when is this going to end? Like, where is there like really a light at the end of the tunnel? And it's like, I'm fighting for my son. I'm fighting my mental battles day in and day out. And, um, it was, it was very few and far between where I could just take a big deep breath and be like, today's going to be a good day. And it was just this constant mental battle that I just beat the shit out of myself over for, you know, a very long time. And, and, and to be honest, man, you know, I, I think that's why I lost a lot of members because, um, there was just this point in my life where I just did not care. I I did not care. And, um, I knew I was falling apart because, you know, like we would have a class or whatever it was. And I don't know why, but I would be passed out in the back room. You know, it, it just, it was just one of those times in my life. You know, I didn't know where to turn. I didn't know how to deal with my anxiety, my depression, my stress, like my, I mean, geez, dude, like, look, I mean, you know, I've, I've gone through the suicide thing as well because you get to the point where you don't feel like there's an out and you don't know how to dig yourself out of this hole. And, you know, on top of that too, it's, it's, then you're, then you're on meds, you know, like I was on meds for years and I still, it was like still the same thing was like, I'm still depressed and everything else. I'm still having my suicidal bouts, but I, and, and I'm taking pills. And I remember listening to Tony Robbins podcast one time and he was like, you're, if you're depressed and you're on pills, it's not the pills. There's something else that's very wrong. And I think that's what we get into. So many people, so many men that I talk to now that, that, that take pills and are, are depressed, once they get through the program, then they understand that it's actually not the pills. It's actually something that happened to them when they were children. And we slowly pulled out all that stuff out of them. They ended up getting off the pills in a few months, which yeah, is that's, huge. Yeah, but that's it's, good it, news. Again, it's all suppression. That's all we do. But, but I think a lot of it too, Mark, is we suppress things because that's the environment that we were raised in. That's what we were. That's what we were told our whole lives was you're a man. There, there's no crying. You just pick your shit up and you deal with it. And as we get older, since it's been suppressed for so many times, that's all we're used to. So we're just a product of our environment on how we grew up. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's probably you're probably 100 percent right about that. Where I didn't really zip into drinking, I I would probably more equate that I drew. You know, I slipped into being super aggressive, and um, where it's just what I I don't know. It's just what I was, man. It carried over everywhere, and that. You know, as I look back at it and I and I talk to my my people that have been around me forever because they've seen me go through this. My instructors that have been here with me for since day one that <clears> still <throat> teach for me. And we talk about those those times of where you just didn't care. Yeah. And, you know, in my uh, on my journey, Mike, uh, the there was this period of five years, you know. I had that false arrest too, just so you know, you, if, uh, we've talked about this even when I was with the police department. Right. And, oh. and going through that was like, man, that was brutal. And I was so pissed off all the time in those five years. I didn't care. And you know, <laughs> one thing I tell everybody is, is something you need to, you know, try and not let years go by with dealing with, without talking to somebody, because at some point, you know, it's this year, it was last year, even through the pandemic, 
all those those five years of 2005 to 10 or whatever, whatever it was up to my divorce or I didn't really do federal taxes properly or nothing. I was in debt with the IRS last year is the first time I was debt free, paid every single tax that I owed, everything that I owed. Because at some point you have to still have to deal with it, man. It just doesn't go away. You know what I mean? And then so you have the depression looming on you. You've got financial pressures on you and you have no um, physical stuff that, you know, to for men to talk about things. I think because you remember right now, Freedom Church, we we started doing Fight Club, right? Right. We brought how many men when we first started that were like, we're like, wow, this this is super common amongst um men and i you know i see like especially i hate i hate to use the word alpha all the time but the the, the uh, men like us that are are more age driven mm. have really got uh and i don't know i don't know what you did i voluntarily went through some anger management classes i did it voluntarily for 6 months right i went once a week to kind of get some kind of tools for me not to kill everybody in front of me. Right. 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 And, uh, and that was probably one of the better things that I did. Cause I, I did learn that, man, there's some other men with some real, you know, I thought I had some anger issues, you know, I'm not bouncing women off the side of the, the bedpost, you know right, what I mean? Right. And seeing what that was like, uh, what, how did you turn, where did you turn to get some help now that, and we'll talk about what you're doing now to help others, but where did you originally turn for help? What did you do? So me going through anger management was giving me tools. What did you do to try and help? Uh, what helped you at least turn the corner? Or have um, we turned the corner? Yeah, yeah. Jesus, God. I mean, yeah, it's been, I would say last year was my breakthrough for everything. Um, you know, I've cleaned up my drinking and my habits and all that fun stuff. Uh, you know, a, a lot of it was, I went back to my roots, which was just lifting and, and being alone. Like, and what I mean by that was I stopped surrounding myself with the same people that got me where I was Mm. my whole life. And it was to the point where I lost a lot of friends last year. You know, I lost a lot of friends in 2020 as well. Um, and the, the, the thing that I, I live by now is my average five, what I I like to call the power of five. And so the power of five ideally is your five top friends or the five top people in your life that will keep you accountable. They'll keep you going the right path, whatever it might be. And those people are the ones that I will spend 95% of my time with. And, and unfortunately it's, it's, you know, that the only way for us to grow is if we change, I mean, if our lives won't change unless we change. And yeah. the problem with a lot of us is that we get into this comfortable <laughs> phase of being around the same people, being around the same habits, and we expect things to change. And that's what, that was one big thing that, you know, I got into was listening to a lot of podcasts and just kind of being alone with my thoughts and like literally sitting there and asking certain people like, dude, how did I get where I'm at? You know, it's like, well, Mike, look who you hang out with or Mike, Mm -hmm. look who you associate with. Like, you know what I mean? There's so much involved when it comes to the people that you're on and the influence that people have. Um, 
And uh, yeah, man, I, and the gym, you know, I being like a head case, like I like to call myself because, and I don't think it's a bad thing either. I think that um, now that I can control my, my thoughts more, um, it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's, it's the more mental aspect of it. I'm no longer going to allow my to control me, I'm going to control my, and it's how we look at it. Uh, and I think that's the biggest part is when we get into habits and this is the, 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 the thing that people don't understand is you have to create habits and stick to those habits. Things genuinely change. Many people that I'll talk to, they'll feel better after a week or two in the program. Right. And then they'll go to their back to their old habits. And so shifting back to that old lifestyle of who you used to be is where people get in trouble. So that's why the program is so in your face because you have to change or your life won't. Um, so yeah, long story short, it would probably be just going back to the gym and, and, yeah. and literally uh, oddly enough, um, I journal every single day. You know, that's amazing. I did that for a long time too, especially in my, you know, it's funny. I, I came across that book, that journaling book, what I was thinking back in the day. And I was like, huh, I'm a million miles away from this. You mm. know what I mean? What I was feeling back then getting past this. I remember when I first going through my, the divorce and everything, I remember this one, this is a young kid, a young kid, a young pastor. And he just said, I'm telling you, I, my dad has been a, an attorney, uh, for divorce for years at some point this will there'll be a turning point and as bad as you think it is it's not going to be that bad and sure enough you know those times has come as you know i'm a little older than you so you know my kids are adults now right and living in in a broken home but you know having my influence because i raised them um has been uh you know, has been rewarding. So that, that's one thing I do tell men, uh, you know, they're stronger than they think. And, you know, it's okay to find that, that circle of influence. It's funny. Cause I tell my students the same thing. You are a product of who you hang out with. So you're going to hang out with dirt bags. Yeah. You're going to be a good dirt bag. Yeah. You know, you want to be a better dad, you know, a single dad, go find some single dads that made it happen. Okay. Not, not some, somebody that has this marriage and, and they, they just, they think they know they don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's just like weight loss. You know, some skinny guy telling me how, 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 how I feel is, was a little bit different than somebody that struggled, uh, like I did. Right. And so, mm -hmm. um, it's, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things that you are a product of who you hang out with. Well, so we're, let's, let's get into what you are now. So you, so you have, uh, it's called the uh, unbreakable, yeah. Okay. And let's let's talk about what you're doing with that now. Let's let's talk about all these ex experiences that we that we talked about in the beginning. Sounds a little depressing to what you've now you've funneled into into what you're doing now. So let's talk about what it is you're doing. Yeah. So man, uh, um, Unbreakable Academy, man. Uh, so I started the academy. Um, solely based on helping people find their true purpose. It was pretty much like everything I grew up with. I was, I remember sitting when I was uh, writing out the unbreakable Academy and just, you know, what, what does the unbreakable mean? Like, why can't, why should, cause I had all these different names and 
it was going to be unstoppable. And I was like, that's lame. It's, you know, like you can't be unstoppable. Everybody's, everybody's stoppable. So I was like sitting there and I was just thinking all the different times in my life, you know, it was like the, the abuse, the alcoholism, the fighting, the, the, um, the jail, the bad relationships, the, the business ventures that went upside down. Um, you know, my son being abused, it was just everything that came together when I was writing this whole thing out. And I was like, damn, I'm like unbreakable. Like I'm still changing lives when I should not be changing anybody's life. <laughs> um, yeah. And so it was one of those things where when I, when I built the business, I'm like, look, I want to be able to help people, you know, break those mental barriers for people and help people find their true purpose and understand why that, why that their current lives are not their fault and that it's a product of how they grew up. And we're, I mean, like I, I do tons of stuff now and I have a sub release technician that helps me as well. But one thing I found out is I was taking so much burden on from all the different people that have screwed me in my life, whether it be my parents, friends, whatever. And the thing behind it was none of that was my fault. But yet, as I got older, I was taking all of that on as if it was my fault, right? And so we talk about things, you know, um, I talk about triggers to a lot of clients. And, you know, one thing that I would always get triggered by was um, by was by older people in general. I just, I, I, because of what happened with me and my dad. And if a older person said something like a smart ass remark to me, it would trigger me. And out comes the emotions, out comes the anger. And mm -hmm. when I figured out that it wasn't that particular person that triggered me, it was actually what I grew up with that triggered me, then I could start going reversing everything and understanding why I was triggered and how to reverse all of it. Um, but at the end of the day, the academy is to help people get to that next level and actually start putting themselves first and believing in you because it is about you and you can't help other people be better unless you are better. So it's all about, honestly, I call it's like six weeks of selfish, just being flat out selfish. It's all about you for six weeks and rebuilding the person that you were always meant to be and letting go, you know, pretty much stop living in the past. Right? Like I always, I always have this, uh, this thing it's, you know, forgive yourself, uh, Forgive your younger self, right? <laughs> yeah. And then it's uh, believe in your current self, and then create your uh, create your future self. Mm. And so it's just a breakdown of everything, right? Like when we're kids, you know, we we unfortunately go through a lot of stuff. So unfortunately, as we get older, that's us. We're we're kids, and we're around alcohol more often than not. We're teens, we start drinking. And so, but it's a product of our environment. And, and I think a lot of it too, is there was something I read a long time ago that made me completely shift my perception on things is there was a, a father who was an alcoholic and there was two sons. And as the sons got older, one of the sons ended up becoming an alcoholic and lived on the street and was homeless. The other son was, ended up being an entrepreneur and a multimillionaire. And so the, the story behind that is we all have a path. And we all have options of our past and how we grew up. And just because you're around that doesn't mean that that's going to be who you are as you get older. And so one brother took the path of the father. The other brother turned his life around and became an entrepreneur and a multimillionaire. 
Um, and that's what I'm trying to get people to understand that just because you were raised a certain way or just because you're around a certain environment does not define who you are when you get older. It does not define who you are even now in this thought, in this life. So, um, yeah, man, it's, it, it's, it's just been awesome. It's just been helping people, um, forgive themselves, you know, start, start life's meant to be a beautiful thing, man. But when you wake up and you're depressed all the time and you beat yourself up all the time, that's that's not a life anybody should want, man. So, so that's all we're trying to do, man. We're just trying to change one person at a time and 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 get them to take the program. And I think the the what I want people to know is the program is is not about information. It's about transformation, and that's what we're trying to do is build things that people get transformed off based on the information that we're giving them. So when they get through the program. I want them to take that information and use it to transform other people. Yeah. So you're, you're duplicating yourself. Yeah. I think that, yeah. I, I think that's great. I think one of the things I read in there is uh, taking your tragedies into triumphs. I mm-hmm. thought that was a, um, I thought that was a good line on, on what that is to carry, to carry on. So I, I, are you, is the Academy both male and female? Is that, do you, yeah, so pretty interesting. I mean, right now we have it's all males. Um, mm-hmm. I'm completely open to working with females. Uh, I'm just not the. I'm not a soft person. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not. I mean, look, I, I just I don't have time to beat. I'm not going to separate my personality behind male and female. I I would work with any female. I have no problem with that. I just keep it up, you know. And I I have, look, I got a few guys that are like, bro, you're too much for me. Um, I get it. But, but, um, I mean, they stay in my program and they love the program, but it's, I'm just, I don't sugarcoat anything. Life is not about sugarcoating anything. You kind of have to just take life by the horns and go at it. So, uh, yes, but right now it's men. Um, if a female hit contacts me, I'm more than happy to work with the female. I think my, my staff and my team is great for either sex. Um, you know, my subconscious release technician is a female and she's a Christian and, um, the Academy is built for anybody, but right now, uh, we've been, men have been reaching out to me more than anybody, which I think is, is probably, you know, some of my favorite podcasters, you know, are, is Andy Frasilla and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's just an in your face dude. And, you know, Jocko's a pretty much in your face, uh, type of guy, uh, a little bit different flavor, but still just some real stuff. You know, even, even my podcast being called real talk, it's because, I'm one of those guys too. I'm, you're just going to hear it how it is. Uh, a lot of people, you know, some people, even men, some people, some men just can't take it. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, you know, I, I don't, and it, as I look back, as I've gotten a little bit older, I'm not sure that they can't take me or they can't take the truth. I don't really know which one it is. You know what I mean? I would you go back to that. They can't take the truth. I think that's, yeah. that's, that's every, that's for everybody though. Right. I mean, right. It, it's, it's nothing harder when someone's telling you your, your pitfalls and you, this is where it is. Um, and you know, I know as a younger guy, I, I was super, I couldn't take a lot of that kind of stuff at all. I just thought I had all the answers to everything and you're just nothing. You're just a piece of shit. So I don't want to hear it. And, uh, so <clears throat> I lost that on a lot of good counsel that way. And as I've gotten older, I appreciate somebody with a little bit more experience saying, Hey man, you're, this is your little rough around the edges here. This is great here. And, uh, I understand I probably, that's why you and I kind of get along really well. Anyway, we just have that kind of a in your face personality. It is what it is, but you know, 
I don't know what to tell you, man. Men, a lot of men are soft. I don't know what to say. You know, today. Uh, no, I mean that's just a, that's a straight up true statement. I mean, masculinity is going extinct. Let's just call it what I, it is. I mean, this. I, I I've never seen it like this before. You know, uh, when. Uh, you know, I the just the rundown of a man is just like I I, I don't get it. You know, I. I really don't. It, it, it frustrates me. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty hardcore instructor, but you know, I've produced hundreds of black belts. You know what I mean? Uh, I think people are looking for, um, you know, I might be a little over the top at times, but you know, the tough exterior, most men with tough exteriors like this or real exteriors, they have a heart underneath there that that loves just as much as they tell you what's up. They'll they'll uh-huh. they'll embrace they'll embrace uh, you know you just as well. And I've watched that in you for a long time. I've watched how you will uh, somebody that just doesn't have something, whether they're homeless or what you, you know something that you'll you'll step in and and uh, become that uh, liaison for them for those that are weak. You know what I yeah. mean, or or can't sustain themselves. So. You know, I think you have you have both sides of that. And I think most men that are real that way have both sides. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how you how you do. But, you know, I know you're a strong Christian. And sometimes I don't know. Have you had have you had it like I had it? Yeah, you're a Christian because you're kind of you're kind of hardcore. You know, I, don't you. I said, well, that, that's why Jesus had Peter. Peter was pretty right. hardcore. Right. You know, he was more, you know, he's the one taking out out swords and lopping people's ears off. You know, he wasn't uh, the gentle, the gentle giant by any means. But so have you have you experienced that yourself in that in that world? Yeah, I mean, uh, I I like to tell people I'm unapologetically me. (laughs) Um, I just that's just how I've always that's just how I always am. I. I unfortunately don't have a poker face. I just say it how it is. Um, and uh, one thing that I, one thing that I tell a lot of clients too is stop apologizing for who you are, right? Like that's you're you're who you are because that's who you are. So, so many different types of people are like, oh, you should try this way, Mike, or try that way. No, I'm not going to try that because that's not who I am. I'm not going to force a certain way of my life to appease other people. I mean, I. I can, if, I, if I could help everybody worldwide in the academy, awesome. But I know that's not realistic because I don't plan on helping everybody. I don't want to help everybody. Um, I, want, <laughs> I, I, I just want, I want to help people that want my coaching. You know, like, uh, and I learned that from a long time with a mentor of mine. He was like, stop trying to help everybody. It's never going to happen. Um, so focus on who you want to help and then, you know, and, and niche down or whatever it is. But um, yeah, man, I... Uh, <laughs> One, I think one thing a lot of people don't know about me is I'm I'm very uh, I have a very hardcore exterior, but man, I will give the shirt off my back to damn near anybody, and uh, I'm way more than a lover and a and a than a fighter. I I just uh, I've just been rung around a few times, so um, yeah. I mean, I I definitely. Uh, have a hard exterior, but, but one thing that I was always taught was to, to remain humble. 
Yeah. So, you know, it's the great thing, right? Being a humble beast is exactly right. what, uh, you know, I, I have that same, I, I have that same exterior as, as you, you do. And I know it cause I hear about it all the time. Right. You know, I, you, you know, I'm not, I don't walk around with a happy face. I don't hug everybody that comes into contact with me, you know, right, right, right. but if you're in my inner circle, man, I will, I will take a bullet for you. I can yeah. tell you that. And, uh, and so I, I think that that's, I think that that's what makes you this academy for those that are looking for something. You know, I I've encouraged other men. Hey, if you're looking for a mentor for for yourself, you know, if and if you can take some real talk, uh, you know, I point them to you quite often. You know what I mean? Um, I don't. I don't. I've told everybody this way. The reason. I know justice is going to, going to shoot me when I say this, but I'm not a big life group fan. You know what I mean? I don't like going to people and, and playing kumbaya and, uh, tell everybody, uh, I need to have some meat heads around me, some meat eaters that mm -hmm. have chewed some dirt. And, um, that's why I like the spike club that we did mm -hmm. because those are the kind of guys that I like to be around. They're a little more rough around the edges, they're not the perfect, their language might not be, uh, on point. Uh, this is what I like to be around this environment because yeah. it's a real environment and I thrive in that environment over, um, singing Kumbaya by the campfire. Right. And, yeah, uh, no, I, I agree with you on that. I think, uh, but, you know, it, but like everything, it's not, it's not going to be for everybody. And I don't think it's supposed to be for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I have, I even have clients where they're like, Mike, I don't want to be in the Facebook group. I just want just with you one-on-ones. Um, and I just started this one. Actually, he goes to freedom. And um, he's like, I just want to let you know, Mike, it's okay if you call me out. And I was like, uh, that's going to happen regardless. But, <laughs> I mean, um, <clears throat> I'm like, dude, I, I'm like, just so you know, man, I said, uh, I know we're friends and everything, but um, once you sign the contract, we are, we are business associates. We are not friends. So I just want to be clear with that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's true though. It's super hard. I mean, that's why I don't do therapy. I, I, I can't do therapy. I, I very rarely will do groups. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, the anger management thing you mentioned earlier, I can't, that just, I'm not built like that. I, I, you know, what's funny is I, I did anger management. I was more pissed off by the time I left than I was when I was there. So I can't it, tell you how many times I left that place go. It that. didn't. It didn't benefit me. As I, you know, I was I was there to stop being angry, and I was more pissed by the time I left. So I was like, I'm not. I can't do this. So yeah. So a lot of it, like I said earlier, is just you got to surround yourself with the, that that the power of five. You got to get those five key people or ten, whatever it is. But. Um, and get them to keep you accountable. It's just, the only way you're going to grow. It's so true about that. I think the only thing that survived the anger management that I went through is the instructor was kind of real. Oh, like okay. he'll just say, well, you know what? Stop being an asshole. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, yeah. he was just like in your face. Like, you know, you, 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 you sugarcoat everything. But the bottom line is you're just being a dick. You know, I'm like, right, oh, my right. goodness. You're right. And, uh. And I remember, well, I remember leaving some of those times going, man, I wouldn't mind bouncing some of these men off the, off their oh, own God. bedpost. Oh my gosh. It's just a jackass, dude. I was yeah, like, I, I, uh, 
Well, this is hard because for me in general, I can't, I, one, the instructor was soft. You know, the, there was a few guys that cried and I'm cool with guys crying. Look, I get it. I, I, I'm, I'm all game for crying. Um, but cry because for something legitimate, don't cry because you, you got know, caught. Yeah. Like just <laughs> come on. So I, I just, I have a hard time with that stuff. I'm more, I need, I mean, look, you know, I, I don't want to be sexist or anything like that, but I just, I know me and I know having a female mentor won't help me because I need somebody to be a certain way with me. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's just, that's just how, how, how I grew up. And so when I talk to a lot of the guys that come onto the Academy, I'm like, this is how I coach. And this is how things are done. If you're, if you're cool with it, let's move forward. If not, then I'm not the coach for you. Um, and that's just yeah. always, always how I, how I've always been. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, I, I think you have a lot to bring to the table, Mike. I, I I've got to enjoy watching watching you. I know that you and I have had some some talks over the phone about your boy and and what that looks like and and the adversity that you've overcome. You have a lot to uh, you have a lot to offer offer um, you know a group of men. And I think that uh, that's why I wanted to have you on here because I first of all. Um, there's just not a lot of stuff for men. You know what I mean? Even my own son, uh, I'm going to do one with my son, my, uh, Daniel that had a eating disorder, uh, finding somebody to help him with an eating disorder for a male was like pulling teeth. I, we couldn't find anybody, you know, uh, I think part of it was me just having a strong relationship with him where at least he could talk to his dad. Right. You know what I mean? And not, not, you know, and 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 I don't really have any formal training outside of like son. I, I said I know this. I know this about. I don't care if it's addiction, if it's food. It's saying at some point, I don't care where you're at in a in a program or whatever. There has to be a mind shift of your own. Yeah. Okay. You're, there's no technique that's going to make you have a mind shift. You have to want to change, and then you need to get the tools to change. That's the bottom line. So. This is the one thing that you're going to have to do is have this mind, this mind shift. And when you have it, you know, you know, I didn't have it. I didn't have it for a long time. I mean, think of, uh, you know, I tell everybody all this all, all the time. I said, I'm a martial arts instructor. I was a fat athlete. I don't know why. I just, I just was, I, I was, I was fat, but I was athletic and, uh, uh, agile and stuff for my size. And, uh, I'm supposed to be teaching discipline and all that. Yet I'm 100 pounds overweight. How how is it how's it possible? Uh -huh. And I remember when I when I had the medical scare, you know, two years ago, when I said, okay, th there was a huge mental shift. And then when I said I'm going to do this, and that's how I lost over 100 pounds is when I did when I when I finally did the mental shift is when it happened, right? Uh -huh. So you can get taught discipline until you're blue in the face, but at some point you're going to have to have a, a mental shift. So I think I you know. We're, we're wrapping up our hour. I want to leave you with that same. I want you to give us a thought on, on what you think is going to be uh, beneficial for, for some men to hear from yourself on, and then how to get a hold of you and your Academy, if that's what they want to do. So why don't you, why don't you end it out for us on, on something positive that you think that uh, we can hear? Yeah, man. Um, this goes back to, to something that I've dealt with, you know, most of my life. And it's something that I always usually start off telling my clients is, 
you know, faith isn't asking, you know, faith isn't about asking God to step in and stop the storm. Um, faith is about trusting God to help you through the storm. And we get into this, this life where we start losing our faith and we start losing who we are because we're going through so much stuff. But at the end of the day, most of us think that we're getting put into this trap. We have no idea that we're actually being set up for something better. But we have to go through this to get to that end setup, which is that which is where we're supposed to be. And and it's it's very simple. But us as humans, we like to complicate everything. And so what and, and what, what we like to do is simplify our process. That's the best part of the academy. It's I'm not giving you psychological information. I'm not going to send you to a psychiatrist. I'm not giving you things like what the left side of your brain does. We don't give a shit about that. What we care about is getting you to understand where you're always meant to be in life. So if anybody wants to contact me, I'm uh, it's under the Unbreakable Academy, literally on every single platform or on Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn, Instagram. Uh, what else? Oh, and YouTube. So um, Unbreakable Academy. And then um, you can email me directly at mike at the unbreakableacademy.com and would love to send you guys uh, some free information on setting up your own mindset, some videos to get you started. Uh, we have a lot of free content out there, guys. So even contacting me, don't think I'm going to sell you on buying any package. This is this is for this is to help you out. So yeah, that's good. So what I'll do, Mike, uh, what, you know, by end of day, we'll have this on the audio portion too. So um, even though we're live on Facebook now, I will um, download the uh, audio portion of this, and I will, uh, y- you know, uh, do some cuts in it on the. Uh, you know, for the intros and outros and stuff, and it'll be live by end of day. You'll be able to share this on all your platforms so people awesome. can listen to it again. And uh, when they're driving, instead of just watching on video. So every everything I do has an audio podcast to it. And awesome. I will put all your uh, info in our show notes. So when people come to the page where they see you on my website on this particular podcast, I'll be able to to uh, click on and I'll make sure that your that your uh, your stuff is all inside there and and ready to go to be able to contact you. So I really enjoyed this hour. This was good. I, I think that uh, <clears throat> I knew this was going to be good on 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 men's mental health anyway. On that there is stuff out there. There's other you, you know <laughs> you know like the military calls it buddy checking right. Uh, you know, they, they do a buddy check on, on, on people in their mental state and trying to hold each other accountable. I think it's something that lacks for men as it is just to do a quick buddy check on, on, a, on a daily when you know, they're having it, just a quick call. Hey man, what's, what's up. And you know how men are, you know, we could sit in a car for an hour and a half and not say one word to each other and feel mm-hmm. like, uh, we had a good time, man. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. You know, and uh, and uh, just to, just to just to have that that uh, that's just just the way we're built. You know what yeah. I mean. So this that's was so uh, an awesome uh, uh, this was an awesome awesome time for me. It it, it uh, allowed me to talk a little bit and get a little bit of your story out there and let people know who you're all about. I couldn't pick a better guy out there to. You know, if you want some real talk, you got to have some real men telling you, man, that's been through some real shit. I don't know what else to say. I mean, that's just the way it goes. You know what I mean? I'm not I'm not here to 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 blow smoke. That's for sure. So, no, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it was really good, man. I'll have this out for you today. End of day, Mike. It's good talking to you. Maybe we'll do we'll do round two here maybe later in the year. See how we do. 
All right? Appreciate it. All right, brother. Thanks All again, right. man. We'll see you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Real Talk with Mark Cox. Real life, real topics, real conversation. We're passionate about motivation, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, and coming at it from a real angle. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you had fun. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on Instagram and Facebook at MarkCox100. Make sure to subscribe and review. And tell a friend or two about the show. For more, hit up the website at MarkCox.com. Till next time, keep it real.